Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in this country, but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Students' Union. It felt as though Diggory and I were the only ones there. And we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant-shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it right ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar Beardmore Gray. And, and this, this is... Taking Hugh for Granted. Hello and welcome to Taking Hugh for Granted, the podcast in which two Hugh Grant enthusiasts watch every single film starring Hugh Grant in the attempt to answer the simple question, is this film taking Hugh for granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? I'm Dugawait and I'm joined as always by my colleague and fellow Hugh Grant obsessive Oscar Beardmore Grey. Oscar, how the bloody hell are you doing today, mate? I'm, I'm doing good, Daisy. Went full sort of Radio 4 there for a bit until the very end when you you know went back sort of five live yeah I, I, I feel like um some people before have accused us of pre-recording that intro bit because I, I say the same thing every time uh so i think if i we're starting with the hello rather than the hello i think that you know shows people that we're real exactly we're real we do it different every time this is off the cuff this is like theater anything can fucking happen uh, <laughs> i could collapse on stage and die um how are you doing oscar you all right I'm all right, mate. Yeah, you know, not much going on. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm about. I'm the same. It's funny as well because, as we said last episode, we've finished Hugh Grant's filmography for the moment. Obviously, we've got a film on the way, and yet I'm still Hugh Grant mad. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, pat- and- the, the, the fire's still burning, isn't it? It's it still burns bright, and it's funny that you know one of my phrases, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I've recently been chirping a young lady. I'm uh, courting a young woman, <laughs> and one of the issues with that is that um, it, it's really quite intense uh, early on, and uh, you know we're all up in each other's business twenty four seven, and it's it's all intense. And I keep saying to myself, the candles that burn the brightest burn the quickest. It's an intense feeling, it's an intense emotion, but I'm worried that that means means it you know it dies out quicker that has not been the case with hugh grant mm. this candle could not be burning brighter and yet it's yet to burn out even when we finish this filmography i'm still like right what about the old tv shows um and i'm loving it i'm having a great time i'm interested so, i mean you, you don't have to share this but does does your new lady friend listen to the pod will she be listening to this and worrying <laughs> it's oh mate it's so funny i um i on our first date She's, she basically, we were reminiscing about our first date the other day. Our first date, by the way, this is what I mean, was probably two and a half weeks ago. Uh, and, and yet we're already at the stage of like reminiscing about it. But she, <laughs> she, she was reminiscing and she was like, yeah, it was, it was nice meeting you. Like you were this nice guy. You, you clearly, you were a bit nervous. And um, within seconds, you'd asked if I'd like to see your t-shirt, which you were wearing underneath a jumper. You tried to lift up your jumper to show me the t-shirt. And so you just lifted up your t-shirt and your jumper. She just showed me your belly. Um, so she was like, so you like, so you clearly were very flustered then we sat down and before i could say anything you were telling me about hugh grant and his greatest films um, and i was like yeah that, that that sounds about about right um she she, she has basically described our 
budding relationships. Each time we hang out, she finds out something else uh, mental and nerdy about me. Date one, she found out about Hugh Grant. I think date two, she found out about the sex podcast with my mum. Uh, <laughs> date three, she found out about my Dungeons and Dragons playing. Well, um, it's good. It's good that you're like you know going one step at a time. Otherwise, she otherwise you she might be out the door. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> she, she, you know, if I just lay this one on at once, you'd be like, okay, listen, you're too much of a nerd and uh, I can't do this. Um, but it's very, very nice. In fact, the other day, it was so sweet. She was like, oh, you're around to see each other. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. And she was like, well... I'm so eager to see you. Why don't you come to my house and you do it in my bedroom and I'll just be quiet. And that's exactly what we did. So I feel like we're already at like, you know, married couple stage, you know, wow. which is very sweet. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Maybe well, maybe at some point she'll sit in on a record of this. Well, I was going to say, I mean, at what, at what point, <laughs> I think, you know, the ultimate stage of a relationship is surely when you allow her into the room to watch a Hugh Grant film with you. Wow, because that is well, like sh- that's like a, sh- a bit of a love triangle going on there. Yeah, yeah, that is it's true. And and for me, watching Hugh Grant film was usually a very very personal <laughs> solo experience. Um, that's that is a let's be real, it's a fetish. I'm not ready to invite anyone else in on yet. Uh, so we'll 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 see about that. Well, I mean, she's listen at the moment. It's very much me trying to impress her. Uh, but if she wants to get in on watching a few Grant film with me, she needs to impress me, if you know mm. what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, speaking of being impressed, perhaps we should talk about... Is this a film today or would you call it a... What is this? I think this is a, a film, series. I think it's a film. Yeah. And we've been, we've been conned into thinking it wasn't a film up until now. Champagne Charlie, which is... Ladies and gentlemen, a three-hour masterpiece. (laughs) Let's waste no more time. Let's get a synopsis from Synopsis Simon. Champagne Charlie, directed by Alan Eastman, written by Robert Jeffrian and Jacqueline Lefebvre, and released as a TV movie in 1989. Amid the turmoil prior to the American Civil War, Charles Eidsieck, played by Hugh Grant, has built a champagne empire across 19th century France and the United States. Along with battling his uncle for control of the vineyard, reluctant French spy Eidsieck must do his best to avoid the Union army attempting to capture and imprison him. Oscar. <laughs> I'm actually buzzing to let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, so am I. This is so crazy because we were so worried about this, as we say. We were so worried. What what were you what did you think the film was gonna be like? What were you worried about in particular? I was worried about the period drama. Because what is it set in like the eighteen sixties or something like that? I mean yeah. I mean, I have to say the length scared me. Three hours. Yeah, terrifying. Um I guess there was just a feeling that it was going to be similar to something like the Bengali night or mm. impromptu. That was, that, yeah. I mean, there was some, some similarities as we'll get into of impromptu. Of course. But, um, I mean, what was your, what was your feeling of fear, trepidation? Exactly the same. I mean, this is a, it's a, like a, a I was just worried that it was just this low budget film about, uh, you know, some French <laughs> champagne merchant. And I just thought it would just have no, like, no fun to it, but also no. I just thought that I thought it was going to be really talky, and there was going to be no like you know nothing really going on. Essentially, I thought it was going to be lots of like talking in rooms in sets and just really boring. It's so mental how <laughs> how far from that this film is. Like the the film starts and it's like you know this Champagne Charlie guy as a kid, 
and his dad's this amazing like champagne maker or whatever and they, they're trying to impress that guy who like who opens the champagne that, that, that this little Hugh Grant is holding with a fucking sword all the bottle up Malchik Majesty please everyone's loving it yeah you thought he was going to cut his head off yeah exactly you could have cut his head off and then he just like take he didn't just pours that the champagne out and takes a sip and you're like isn't there loads of glass in there now isn't isn't there shards of glass in your champagne from where you cut the top off it with a fucking sword anyway that's kind of your classic opening then we see hugh grant aka champagne charlie a little bit older and I guess this is where I ask you the classic question, Oscar. What did you think of Hugh Grant's look in this film? Well, I mean, the film is split into two parts. That's why we mm. were wondering whether it was going to be a, like a TV film. There's basically, I think, you know, obviously it was one of those where like it was shown on a Thursday night and then the following Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It had the second half. The exactly. first half, he is, he is, he, he is, I mean, I don't know. I can't even put it into words, Diggs. I mean, yeah. he's, he's very best, isn't he? You know, heavenly, <laughs> his, just heavenly. I I just don't know how they get his hair to like stay in that position. Do they? Yeah. They must put like so. You know, think Hugh Grant for when he's in a funeral, and then times yeah. that by ten. You know, he's got slightly long, longer hair, but it's all like curled back, curtainy. Um, and they mm. must put like super glue in that shit. Yeah, exactly, or something, because it it seems to always just fall in the perfect way, mm. the way that's always going to make you, as soon as you see it, you, every scene, he'll just look a certain way and his hair falls, and I just go, oh, and I can't <laughs> help it. That noise just comes out of me. I'm like, oh, it's so, so good. And in this first scene, firstly, he's looking incredible, but also he's chirps, he's in the bar chirping a couple of birds. He's just like With flirting away. yeah. With his champagne, I was just like, yo, hang on a minute. What film am I watching here? I'm really into this already. It feels like the perfect Hugh Grant film. Here I have something very special for us. What? What is it? Champagne. I've done that stuff before. My father always used to say that champagne is the only wine that makes a woman more beautiful after she is drunk. Marianne is ready for a drink. What? <laughs> <laughs> And then the next thing we know, it's like Les Miserables style. And he's like... So they shut the door of this bar. It's like pandemonium on the streets. Les Mis style, like you say. Like He's like, he's at the barricades, like fighting the French army. And he like literally like takes on three people with bayonets and just like oh beats them God. up. And just then kisses them in the face. And then, and and then, then kisses the girl. And then kisses the girl. Are you all right? Uh, yes, thank you. To whom the man did it? Uh, Charles, uh, I see. Like the champagne? Like the champagne. And they say American politics is wild and woolly. Have you seen enough? I surely have. Let's go. It's completely mental. It reminded me of the other TV movie he was in, uh, The Lady in the Highwayman, mm. where Hugh Grant Similar. essentially played... Yeah, Hugh Grant played a... Um, you know, Tudor era Batman or Zorro, and he was like, you know, killing everyone and beating the shit out of them there. Like, it was mental. And so, this film, like, starting, it's like, what would we like 10, 15 minutes in? I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, it's all over the place. Like, you've got action set pieces, you've got Hugh Grant looking, dashing, being flirting with people. We haven't even mentioned his fucking accent yet. Uh, Diggs, this is it's a, it's a disaster. <sighs> God. You, know, you, you put. <laughs> oh God! 
He's actually just so sad. <laughs> yeah, you put this like unbelievably <sighs> good-looking bloke in these amazing clothes, and then he opens his mouth, and you just want to cry. It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad because because the thing is, it's not it's not sexy, um, and it's not good. <laughs> if you know, if he's trying to be, if he's trying to do a French ac- French accent, I don't think that's what that is. I don't think that's what a French accent sounds like when they're trying to speak English. Mm. And also what's weird is there's other characters in this film who I believe are supposed to be French who don't speak with a French accent. Mm. Just make him British. Just make him sound like he normally does, but then every now and then get him to throw in an au revoir or a bonjour or a merci. Like That's the way that you should play this. Don't, for God's sake, let Hugh Grant do an accent because unfortunately, Hugh, I'm so sorry, mate. This is bad. It's very, very bad. Yeah, I mean, look, we we've we've seen him do a Scottish accent, and we've seen him do, um, you know, the East Ender London accent, and he's good at those two. Yeah, that's very it's, true. Very let true. him let him loose. Let him loose with those two. But yeah. there's a reason why this French accent will never be coming back because he also did a very similar rendition in Impromptu. Which yeah. was also an absolute disaster, yeah, and you know, this is it is the downside on Hugh's character in this film, isn't it? Because really, yeah. it, he he also like doesn't keep it up. It is it yeah it it, it, it falters it falters in and out, and you're like, yeah. oh, he just sounded like Hugh Grant. Actually, sounds like yeah. that. Like you say, this the few moments where every now and then it's like when he, when he doesn't have much to say. When he says thank you, it just it just sounds English. It just sounds it just sounds like the posh gentleman that we know and love. And it, but and also the thing that I don't like about the accent is I think it because it's so shit and it's so like <laughs> it's kind of weird. It makes him seem meek. And it mm. makes him seem sort of frail, which kind of worked in Impromptu. He was meant to play this sort of like, ooh, little meek character who's just wants to make music and he's scared of women. That guy, that was great. And it worked there. But in this, like, he's this guy has, we've just seen him take on three soldiers and whack yeah. them in the face and, and he, then grab this girl and kiss her. Exactly. And he's like part of like the French aristocracy. Like, you know, this guy is a powerful heir to yeah. a champagne empire. And yeah. you're, you're and so a, right. He's a confident he, guy. Yeah, he yeah. Does, yeah, he's getting all the ladies and... It's, it makes it less believable, doesn't it? Because he he seems frail and weak. Exactly. But at the same time, after you get used to it, you just kind of roll with it. Like a three-hour film, you're like, all right, Hugh's playing a, a weird French guy who doesn't really sound French. We'll just, we'll just... It is what it is. I don't want to see you in the fields with these people ever again. They are people, not animals. They want to have some pride in what they're doing. But then what would you know about that? You don't give a damn about the wine. You'd be happy making coloured water if it turned a profit. How dare you? Every woman in this film, much like everyone watching it, throws themselves at Hugh. Like, it's unbelievable. Even, and I have to be honest, it's a bit fucked up, even his mum in the film is really weirdly sexual with him. She's like, oh, Charles. And she's like holding on to him. You know when you do a hug and it's nice? And then she just sort of keeps her hand lingering on his pectoral muscle and just starts, and she's just rubbing it. And it's just really that kind of thing where it's like, right, you've you've looked at your son in this film too long now. This is getting weird. Mm. And then also there's a bit where Hugh goes up to this girl who he's referred to as his little sister sister who mm. he then is like oh i'm gonna give you you can do your own personal piano recital for me and you're like hang on i thought you guys were meant to be like 
essentially brother and sister and then they get married and you're like oh okay well this is mental um but and then this other woman who's just working with him just looks over and she's like he get he get a bit of me and she just throws herself at him the thing is it all makes complete sense it is hugh grant but just it is also a bit like is there a woman who doesn't want to have sex with him in this film even his mum seems to which is mental it, yes it is strange i mean Perhaps we should talk a little bit about the story. I mean, so what happens is that Hugh falls in love with this American girl called Pauline. Mm. Um, and Pauline is is a very attractive young lady. and um, But she goes to America and marries some old bloke. But Hugh wants to sell champagne in in the americas so he he hops over there and then and then they kind of reacquaint an, an odd an odd little fact about um the person who plays uh, pauline who i believe her name is megan gallagher she actually plays megan markle's mum in suits really wow yeah. so she so she hasn't done bad for us i'm not gonna lie every actor i've seen on this i was like well they probably never did much else after this <laughs> yeah. but i that's quite a big role. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, she hasn't done a whole lot else, but I just thought that was kind of entertaining. That is very fair. Yeah. And uh, and that actually is a good point about this film, is that I found myself actually quite intrigued by the relationships in it. Mm. You know, he, he really likes Pauline. She's like, don't worry. We've had this love affair. I'm going to go to America. Maybe one day we'll be together. And then he learns of her marrying this new guy. He Then Hugh is like, right, I'm going to marry this girl who's essentially my sister. Mm. Bit fucked up and mental. And I remember thinking, this is crazy, but that's the point. I, and I, of course, that he's just done it just to do it. You know, I, th- I think you, you land on a good point there, Dick. So this, this film was strangely watchable like there was a lot there was like a lot of tension and excitement in it where i i i i was kind of thinking that i was going to be sitting there and really getting quite bored and you know scrolling on my phone and stuff but i was actually like really engaged in this and i was like this is this is actually really good i mean i don't know what you thought i actually thought that the first hour and a half which is the first film was Mm. a lot better than the second half i don't know what you thought uh yeah i mean i did like the second half of the second film um (laughs) for reasons i'm sure we'll go into i mean obviously it was quite mental but there's a few things about that actually i think are redeeming qualities of it um and were quite interesting but I think probably as well for us as Hugh Grant fans, another reason as to why the second half was worse is because of Hugh Grant's face. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that for a bit. <laughs> it, it's it's rather unfortunate that we've got he's got all Clive Durham on us. Yes, um, yes, done, has <laughs> Essentially, just like in the film Morris, Hugh Grant grows a hideous moustache. <laughs> Uh, which he doesn't seem to cut off at any point after that, and it's uh, it's really quite horrible, actually. <laughs> and I really wish he wouldn't. Uh, you know what's just bad about it is that it it just it just looks like someone has gone is gone down to like the party shop, got themselves yeah. a stick on moustache and gone. <laughs> yeah, perfect. We'll put this on. Well, hey, it, it's look, like, it, Hugh... it doesn't look real. No, it doesn't look real. And and Hugh Grant has this wonderful young face. And actually, there's another thing about this film. He's, he's topless quite a bit. And he's got quite a like young boyish body. It's like quite, very slim, not too muscular. Smallest but like, nipples. Like, 
Yeah, smallest nipples, kind of like mine actually. It's getting a bit weird. Um, and uh, and um, but like, and it's something that like in my head, I'm I'm like, how is that attractive? But you know, with the rise of Pete Davidson and Timothy Chalamet and shit like that, like this fucking soft boy simp uh, is really in right now. So let's just earmark that and say, ladies and gents, check it out. Hugh Grant, topless but like still skinny soft boy look, class. Anyway. It, it, this moustache doesn't suit that vibe and um don't get me wrong i can i can vibe with a moustache big time and there's i'm sure there's a lot of my australian friends out there that's is a big thing in australia at the moment they're like oh yeah boys with moustache is great you know and mullets and all that shit that's like apparently the pog look over there in, in australia <laughs> don't get me wrong i can get on board with it but i can't get on board with it on hugh grant's face his young beautiful face just doesn't suit a moustache it's horrible now what i can get behind though is hugh grant with a beard that is different <laughs> that is different gravy mate i love that this is a this is a unique hugh grant look that we haven't seen yeah basically yeah. towards the end of the film he gets chucked in prison it's actually quite yes. mental like they're in um they're in louisiana and it's and it's kind of at the point of civil war down there mm. um and hugh is like so hugh's like riding a horse a lot as well which is pretty cool like, that is sick yeah he's yeah. like riding this like big like you know 18 hand horse um he's riding around and um he gets himself in a bit of trouble and sort of gets arrested and then chucked in this like really quite depressing prison and mm. it looks like he's effectively been rotting away in this prison for several weeks. And someone comes mm. and like tries to wake him up. And he's like, you know, he's almost like sort of Lazarus or something. Like he's just... <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's got this really thick beard, mangy beard thing going on. It's, I, I, lo- I loved it. It looks sick. He looks like he could be like... Um you know, like the master of a dojo. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Or like, you know, like what he'd look great with that beard and a man bun. And like, <laughs> he'd he look so sick. Uh, yeah, mate. And you're so right. That is a, it's a look we haven't seen. The closest I guess we've got is in The Gentleman when he has like, you know, a bit of a beard going on, but nothing as bushy and as big as mm. as, as in that. Well, I mean, it kind um, of, it threw me off almost as much as like seeing him as a, as a cannibal in Cloud Atlas. Yeah, yeah. That that was alarming. Um, that was that was a lot to take in. Well, you're listening to Hugh Grant taking Hugh for granted on the radio. Hugh Grant taking Hugh for granted. Oh, the podcast show. You mentioned Louisiana there, and I think that's something I really want to talk to you about with this film. Is that so? There's like I guess the some sort of like French revolution going on. Then Champagne Charlie goes to America and there's the American civil war is starting. Mm. And this is, I found this really, I just had no idea that's where this film was going to go. Mm. And actually it's all a bit mental, a bit crazy, but it, it it's such a fascinating representation of that it, because Hugh Grant is dating, well, really fancy this girl, Pauline and Pauline is from the South she owns a plantation and she has slaves. Mm-hmm. And I was a and it was really weird because how do I put this? She sort she sort of like backs up the fact she's got slaves. Mm-hmm. She's like, they're they're part of my family. I've grown up with these people, like it's all what it is, and and you know, the 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 North are trying to take that away from me. And the film doesn't really question that have too it doesn't really question that mm. it doesn't have too much of a go of that i think um charlie hugh grant quite right is a bit like yeah 
you know, this isn't cool. Yeah, but definitely. He's, but, but what's so interesting is he still loves her and he's still going to go after her despite that shortcoming. Um, mm. What does he make of that whole thing? Yeah, it is an interesting point of tension. And, and I think you're right. Like, is it, it was a something that was chucked in there that wasn't really challenged, but I could, it was interesting in the fact that I'd never really thought about it from that perspective. Like, and I can yeah. imagine that actually a lot of, a lot of people felt that way in, in the South, like these plantation owners actually felt like, you know, the slaves are kind of part of their family and stuff. I mean, I really don't know the history well enough to sort of comment well yeah. on that kind of stuff, but yeah, it was it was it was strange, wasn't it? Because she ended up being kind of like a spy for the South, and she really seemed to hate the North. And it, it was an interesting history lesson in some ways. Like I don't know a mm. lot about like you know the American Civil War, um, and and it kind of I guess reinforced some of that tension between like the the South and the kind of Yankees as they as they refer to in this mm. film. But it's so interesting because like because then they do have this scene where uh, Hugh Grant is walking through this in the South where they're selling slaves. And it's horrible, and the, and the, and the scene is like really quite um, graphic. It's graphic, and it's really quite upsetting. Genuinely, like you know, I'm a big boy, but I was like, this is it's weird. And also because this film has up to this point been it's all been a bit slapstick and a bit silly, mm-hmm. and then that scene is a bit like, oh fuck, this is really dark. So, but what I think is so good because obviously owning slaves, there's no justification for it whatever she thinks like she might say that and that's that you know that she of course feels it so whatever but you know there's there's no justification for it and Hugh Grant knows in that moment when he's in this they're selling them and stuff it's the worst thing in the world like he, he knows it's bad but I think what's so interesting is that he's yeah he's still he still kind of loves her regardless and that's where yeah that's where the point of tension comes mm. so it kind of shows that it like are you trying to say that it sort of shows that even what even if people have weird views or done bad things, like if that love is is there, it doesn't really matter. Kind of, kind of, and I, I think like he, at least at least Hugh's character still is like, well, she's still a good person or whatever, or, or like it's not the end of the world. Mm. And it's interesting because obviously the Confederacy, like the guys who are wearing the grey and stuff, usually are depicted as like the worst of the worst. Whereas in this film, it's like, well, she's fighting with them, and it's not actually really presented as the worst of the worst and the unionists are like the heroes in this film Hugh Grant is captured by the unionists who seem also like bastards mm. you know the guys who are fighting for Andrew uh, Andrew Lincoln <laughs> I, we've been t- watching too many Hugh Grant films Andrew Lincoln just holding up the signs being like <laughs> Christmas being like fight for me that would be yeah. a great someone's got to make a meme out of that you someone's know comes into Champagne Charlie with like his little signs yeah, exactly Andrew Lincoln's there but Abraham Lincoln you know and, and but these guys so they capture Hugh Grant because he's he's been in the south trying to find Pauline all that sort of shit. They capture him and they treat him awfully. Like they beat him up. Uh, they uh, they obviously they also shoot him in the arm. Um, and then they go they wake him up and they go on your feet, Mister Heitzig. Good morning, General. Got something to show you. And they go look at this and they go and show her some of Pauline like some of Pauline's family uh, who they've shot and killed. And he's and they're like friends of yours, I believe. So the unionists, who are meant to be these amazing emancipators, are also presented in this film as bastards. And it's just a really... I just found that like a really potentially like grown-up look at this, where it's like both sets of people, obviously the people fighting for 
you know, in favour of slavery are terrible. The people who are fighting against slavery are better, but both of them within the war context are bad and horrible. Mm. And just war is bad and it brings out the worst in people. And I was suddenly sat there thinking, Jesus Christ, is this film like... An Oscar actually, winning film. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, is this, this is really making me think and it's really like actually giving, like it's, it's making some really, like maybe not, I don't know, like adult points. It's like, it's really... Give me some food for thought. And I, I thought it was really well done. Mm. I thought it was really, really clever. And how Charles is just a guy caught up in all of it, you know. Yeah, he's definitely uh, yeah. caught. And, and then I, I, there's that still quite poignant scene at the end where, you know, almost like Hugh eventually realises for himself that yeah. Pauline isn't the woman for him. And it's almost mm. like, actually... Pauline's character what we've been shown on screen is almost like a bit of a front like she shows this other side to herself where she kind of like mm. calls him a traitor and perhaps that's that is that that goes to your point digs about war like it sort of brings out the worst in people and she yeah and and you know and and it is kind of like that realization for for Champagne Charlie that um that you know actually he's got he's better off back home with his champagne and his and his wife and kid than he is chasing this kind of you know love interest that he's had for a long time he's got herself in a bit of a sticky spot yeah um and then we sort of have that kind of final like meeting at the end with his kids and stuff and it sort of feels like stability is finally after three hours yeah <laughs> yeah three we long finally hours. got to a point where like you know happily ever after situation yeah yeah exactly it's true and but and again it's such an interesting ending because pauline could be like okay you know the confederacy is losing the war I'm not going to get my plantation and my slaves anymore. But she's still willing to fight on. Like you say, Hugh's like, nah, this is ridiculous now. Like, I love you, but the, you, you now our, our values and our things are too far apart. So then you're right, he goes home and he goes back to his, his wife, who was the girl he didn't really love, mm-hmm. but he ends up getting with. And, he's, and then the film ends and it's sort of like a happy ending. And you're sort of like, okay, interesting. Because the woman he clearly loves is Pauline. But has he just been like, well, she's obviously batshit mad and she's a bitch. So I'm now going to go and just settle. Yeah. And settling is like a good ending, which just doesn't fit with the sort of Hollywood narrative of, oh, no, love should win out. And love is always the, the winner. Yeah. Whereas this just feels like... It didn't have... Yeah, or, no, or maybe this film is saying you can love two people at once. And he does actually love this first girl. He's loved them both. And he's just now picked one. Yeah. I mean, that could well be the, 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 final, the sort of like final point of the film because mm. something I hadn't picked up on is that Champagne Charlie's mum was Matt was in love with his uncle. Oh. The evil one. Yeah, the evil one, apparently. Fuck. Oh so, Jesus like, Christ. There was two levels of this like love triangle kind of, you know, love is who do you really love and like who should you really like all this kind of stuff going on. But yeah. Diggs, I, I love I I love that that analysis. It's uh, really got me sort of uh Yeah. Thinking more deeply about this. But it, but it's just like, and that's the thing. And I, so when this film ended, I was just like, "Holy shit!" In amongst everything that's going on, there's actually just so much like relationshipy stuff that I've really clung to because this Champagne Charlie guy exists. This is mm. obviously not a lot of it's fucking bullshit, but a lot of this is like based on a true story. Like this guy existed. He. He, he, you know, he sold champagne in the US when the civil war was kicking off. He was like, "Fuck, I need to get my money because 
shit's kicking off. He went to try and get his money in the South. A lot of them couldn't pay it. They wanted to pay in cotton instead, blah, blah, blah. He was captured by these. All of that's true stuff. So you could easily make a sort of biopic about all that boring shit. Whereas what they did was they rooted it in relationships and they presented the war dynamic in a really interesting way where sort of both sides were bad and Charles was just in the middle of it. And I came out of the film just being like, shit, this was really quite good. This was quite cool. So Dix, when you're when you're on your next date, are you gonna are you gonna sort of you're gonna start off the conversation by saying, So my love for you is a bit like Champagne Charlie's <laughs> love for Paulie. <laughs> it's actually really, really funny you say that. This is so I know I feel like I have to say this. So I went on a date a few weeks back. Because you know, I, I, I'm, I'm on, I've been on the scene, probably less so now with this latest one. But and I went on a date with someone, and we got on really, really, really well. We got on really well, and I really enjoyed the date. However, and so that was like me and Pauline, like <laughs> like Hugh, Hugh Grant and Pauline, you know, like loving it, having a great time with each other. However. Pauline's love for the Confederacy, and uh, and you know, not wanting to abolish slavery, perhaps you know, yeah. Anyway, one of the worst things that the that the modern world has ever seen, and um, it was kind of like this girl and me. She was uh, that I was on a date with was going really well. Really liked her. She was um, an anti-vaxer, quite a staunch uh, anti-vaxer. Didn't really believe in COVID. Uh, and, I, and I at first, when we were talking about it, I thought she was kidding. Um, <laughs> and so I kept joking about it. And she was, and, she, and after a while, I was like, oh my God. So at the end of the date, when she was like, so am I going to see you again? How do you think it went? I was like, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Much like Hugh Grant, I was like, I've got a woman back home uh, who I'm going to go and see instead. Um, so there you go. Sometimes your your values went out. So I have more similarities with Hugh Grant's filmography than uh, I care to admit usually. Taking he for granted. Taking he for granted. Taking he for granted. What did you think, lads? Were they taking he for granted? Oscar. Champagne Charlie, 1989. Are we taking you for granted? You know, Diggs, I, when when I finished the film and before we came on to record, my answer was always going to be no. But yeah. now I am further convinced that it is no. Yeah. Hugh Grant hasn't given many interviews about this particular movie, but he did say in an interview in 1989 that I play the archetypal hero. I hit people in the face. I rescue pretty <laughs> girls. They fall in love with me. I'm a man. I'm charming. All the things I wanted to be is a very nice role, really. <laughs> I mean, that's perfect. He's basically hit the he nail. He has summed it up in a nutshell. And I think he was, apart from the accent, let's be real, the accent was horrible. It was awful. Um, It was bad. But if you can get past the accent, Mm. he looks amazing. The script is good. The script is good. And for a three hour film, I've watched, I've watched worse three hour films in my life. I can tell you that. Cloud Atlas. (laughs) Yes. This is a million times better than Cloud Atlas. Uh, Yeah. So for that reason, yeah, we're not taking you for granted, Diggs. I love that. That should be on the, when they re-release this as a DVD. When this podcast goes viral, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, yeah, maybe we should watch that." When this fucking it will be on it. It will say Oscar Bill McGrath taking you for granted says better than Cloud Atlas. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do you know what? There was part of me that was sat there going like, right when before this film ended, I was thinking to myself, I really hope that. Oscar set didn't like this film because you know there was part of me was like surely we can't 
surely we can't both like this like t- straight to TV movie, you know, whatever mm-hmm. sort of thing. But the more I've talked about it with you, the more... And by the time I actually got to the end, I was like, fuck it, this film has not been taking you for granted. It is just too... It's too bloody good. That's just like <laughs> look, Hugh Grant looks amazing with the outfits. He's in a, he's in an ama- he's in amazing settings. Like there's a cast of crazy weird characters and all this mad stuff going on. Like yeah, it's the thing is it's very much it's very like camp and over the top at points and stuff. But like that's just great fun. And actually, like you said, it was in, it was intensely watchable mm. and really actually got me thinking. It was really really um, poignant, poignant, really poignant. Exactly. And again, you know. There was a moment again that stuck to me. There's a bit when the unionists, you know, have found Hugh Grant. They've showed him Pauline's friend's dead bodies, and they said, "Oh, what do you think of this?" And they're laughing at him, and Hugh Grant whacks this unionist in the face, <laughs> like he does. Like I'm a man, I'm charming, I'm Hugh Grant. That's what I ever wants to be. He whacks this guy in the face, and this unionist soldier is like, Argh! and he sticks his gun in Hugh Grant's gut, and Hugh Grant doesn't fucking waver because I think Hugh Grant's thinking, "Fuck it, I think I think Pauline's dead. What have I got to live for?" Just like Hugh Grant in that scene, I'd take a fucking bullet for this film. It's that good. It's that fucking <laughs> yes, good. Yes, I love it's that. It's that fucking good, and I'm here for it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just. I, I can't tell you how surprised I am. I, I'm going to say maybe it's the low expectations that's got us so buzzing here. But I'm I'm going to also be really intrigued where this falls in in our in our leaderboard. Yes. I, I think this is going to be you know this is like a mid this is like a mid table kind of you know this is like a Tottenham Hotspur yeah. kind of you know not it's not <laughs> you know it's it's quite Spursy. It's not. Maybe this is a niche mm, reference mm. for probably too niche yeah, a reference for our Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant fans out there. But you know, yeah. it's solid mid table. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's maybe not going to push it. It could be a bit of a dark horse though. Yeah, it could, could be. be like slightly sneaking into the upper half. Um, well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But as I say, like I was so dreading watching this film. That's why we've known it's been on YouTube for ages. But we've I've just kept putting it off, putting it off. But I'm so glad we watched it. There it is. And you can go and watch it on YouTube yourself. And it has 300,000 views. Yeah. Imagine. Oh, my people God. And some people shit. people are loving it. What I did, I remember as well, fucking some, someone said, oh, I saw Hugh Grant in Four Weddings and a Funeral and, and you know, on Notting Hill. I didn't think he was a very good actor until I saw this film. <laughs> then I realized what. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> sorry, what? Uh, what are you talking about? And then I got to the end of the film and I was like, yeah, there were a few moments where actually Hughes, like the bit where you know he was going to take a bullet and shit that. I was like, I was actually, I was like, maybe the accent really throws me off. But there are a few moments where I'm like maybe Hugh Grant has done really well with what he's been given. It is a TV movie. It is like the script, you know, is weird in points. But like, fuck it, this is a good film. I'm serious. <laughs> yes. There you go. Well, wow. what fun. Oh my yeah, God. Exciting. It, so exciting. It, so exciting. If the next few episodes of this program and the next few films and TV shows we see are as good as that, then this this is what I'm talking about. This is why I'm so bloody excited about Hugh Grant. Even though we've seen all his films, I'm like, he, he's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> what is going on? How am I still discovering shit of his? I'm like, this is so good. Yes. Um, it's just wow. mental how many of these weird, wacky things he did. <laughs> it, it shows you exactly. what you have to do, really, actually, to make it as an actor. Like you've got to pick up these weird, weird, weird wacky roles. I mean, this yeah. is—you know—he was the main part for three hours here, but it's still yeah. weird. It's still really weird. It's still really, really weird. Uh, but you're so right. He really put in the graph, and it shows now. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen. The the journey keeps on going. The roller coaster keeps on rolling. 
stay in touch and join us. Make sure wherever you're listening to this right now, you're subscribed, you're following or whatever. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Taking You For Granted. Same again on Facebook. We're at Taking You on Twitter. You'll be first to know about when an episode drops or any Hugh Grant news drops because we've got a new film coming out on the way. Operation Fortune, Rose de Guerre, the Guy Ritchie film is coming out in March? Mid-March mid-March so keep abreast of that I'm sure there's loads of other stuff that will happen as well so make sure you're following until then thank you so much for listening thanks for getting this far and au revoir au revoir Taking Hugh for Granted is produced, edited and presented by Diggory Waite and Oscar Beardmore-Gray. The producers of Taking Hugh for Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. Instead, by creating this podcast, Oscar and Diggory hope to celebrate Hugh's illustrious career, reliving his old classics and shedding light on some of his hidden gems. Hugh. If you're listening, we hope you approve.